I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles with me, if you would, to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Our sermon text for this evening is going to be verses 11 through 14, but we're going to start at verse 1 for a little bit of context. So, Titus 2, starting at verse 1. Hear now the reading of God's holy and inspired word. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in the faith, in love and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to, li- to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an, op- so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Now our sermon passage for this evening. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So in this reading of God's word, may he bless it to us. Please pray with me. Gracious and Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this letter that you have given us from Paul to Titus by your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would bless uh, the teaching of your word now, that uh, we would know what it is to be in Christ, that this would be our functional reality going forward. Father, we are forgetful, and please help us to, to learn this lesson from your word this evening. Please bless it to us. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. So, Harvest, Proverbs 13, 12 tells us, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I think many of us here tonight are sick. Whether it's the news about the war in Ukraine or the fragmentation of our society along political, social, or ideological lines, or the difficult of our own besetting sin. The weight of life in this sin-stained world lays heavy on our shoulders. And often our functional theology doesn't always line up with our professed theology. For example, one may be able to go on and on regarding the sovereignty of God, what it means, what Bible passages to turn to when we're talking about it with our friends. We might even know what our favorite theologians have to say regarding the issue. But the same person is also thrown into a world of doubt and confusion when he or she experiences the death of that loved one or that horrible prognosis or the loss of that job. Where does all this theological knowledge go when the the rubber actually meets the road? 
Our passage this evening reminds us of who we are as believers in Jesus Christ and how that impacts our life today. Who we are in Christ matters and it offers us a great hope. And tonight we are going to see that because Jesus Christ has redeemed us and purified us, we can live godly lives doing good works to his glory and the blessed hope of his second coming. And to do this, we're going to be looking at three things tonight. First, we're going to be looking at your grace appeared. Second, your hope to come. And third, your reality achieved. Your grace appeared, your hope to come, and your reality achieved. So let's get started this evening by looking at our first point and understanding the hope that we have in Christ by looking at your grace appeared. So as, as we come to our passage this evening, one of the things uh, that is important to note is that Paul has sent Titus, whom he refers to as his true child in the common faith, to do two things for the people in Crete. First, he is to teach them sound doctrine, that is the apostolic message, that is the gospel of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to set up elders in the church there. The problem is, as Paul acknowledges himself in chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, these Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. So they don't have a very good track record. This problem manifests itself in a couple of different ways. First, they have difficulty finding men who have the character to lead within the church. And second, they have to deal with those who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. So Paul goes on to say that, that living a Christian life accords with this sound doctrine, and it is to look a particular way. That is to say that the Christian life is to look a particular way. We have to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. We can't fall victim to cubit syndrome, as it were, the distance between you know, your elbow and the pointer finger. You know, in this case, the distance between one's head and one's heart. I think, unfortunately, it's a common critique of most, of many Reformed Christians, rather, that today, you know, they missed, it. they missed the point by about 18 inches. We have this tendency to be very heady and cerebral. For example, one might be able to rattle off the answer to that shorter catechism question, which is a very good thing, but, but then they fail to understand this from a position of faith. They, they, there's no gospel freedom in that truth for them. It's just knowledge for knowledge's sake. Paul then lays out for Titus what living in accord with this sound doctrine looks like for older men, older women, young women, young men, husbands, children, bondservants, and for Titus himself. The, the reality is we can't just leave the Christian life in the realm of ideas. As Calvin says, it is the duty of a good teacher to urge one to a holy life rather than fill the minds of his people with useless questions. We have to live out this sound doctrine. We can't just know it. If we aren't living out this sound doctrine, that is, again, the apostolic teaching, the, the gospel, it, it's just head knowledge and it's not flowing from a transformed heart. Now, boys and girls, would your mom and dad be happy with you if you just knew that you had to be nice to your brother or sister? Or do you think that they actually expect you to be nice to your brother and sister? You actually have to do it, right? And not only that, they want you to do it from a happy heart, out of a heart of love, because you're a member of that family. You're to act a certain way because of this, and this is what our passage is getting at tonight. 
And now as we look at our passage this evening, we read, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Here's what we see, that we see that God's act of favor and his greatest gift, that is Jesus Christ and his atoning work on the cross, has broken into this world and our moral and spiritual darkness. The word here for appeared can also be translated as manifested. So this, this is more than just an act of seeing. Jesus Christ has actually historically come and walked among us, living the life that we could not live and dying the death that we deserved on Calvary, on his cross, bringing salvation to all people. Now this all can be a fairly loaded term, theologically speaking. There, there are some people out there that say that this all people everywhere is, is all people everywhere at all times that are saved by Jesus Christ. We, we call them universalists. But this can't be true because as we read in other places in Scripture, hell is a very real place and we know that this is where the wicked are going on the day of judgment. But our text tonight is saying that Christ's salvation is for all types of people. Those aforementioned older men and older women and young men and young women and husbands and children and bondservants. By God's grace, people from all walks or classes of life are saved by the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. And this is, this is no small thing. Our loving Savior cares for all of his people tonight. Regardless of what you do for a living, regardless of what social circles you walk in or or where you come from, Jesus cares for you regardless of your context. Now moving on, we read, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So this grace that has been made manifest, Jesus Christ not only brings salvation, but, but, but he changes the lives of those who he is saving. That is, those who believe in him in the here and now, in this present age. All that to say is if you are in Christ, brothers and sisters, there is real hope for that besetting sin. Our passage tonight tells us that, that God is doing a mighty work in his people even today. Now, God's people are to renounce the ungodliness and worldly passions of their former lives. That is to say, we're, we're to renounce our sin and live as the blood-bought children of God that, that, uh, that are in Jesus Christ. As adopted members of his family, we are not to look like the rest of the world. We, we are to abstain from superstition and from false religion and, and from irreligious contempt of God as, as well as the affections of the flesh and worldly desires. And we are commanded to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives today. The question is, how are we as sinners supposed to live up to this tall order? You see, even as believers, we still wrestle with our fallenness and corruption in this present evil age. And if we're honest with ourselves, we, we, we experience doubt. We, we look for answers according to this, the things of this world rather than, than that sound doctrine, rather than the apostolic teaching. And we escape our problems through the vices that this world has to offer. Our browser histories, bank statements, and consciences often provide a damning indictment against our self-righteous attempts to make it look like we have it all together. We may look the part on the outside, but God knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts, words, and deeds from this past week. Our passage tonight calls us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Brothers and sisters, the truth is that none of us have measured up to this standard before our holy, just, and all-knowing God. 
This raises the question of where we are to turn when gripped with the reality of our own sin. And Paul tells us exactly where we are to turn with our anxieties in the face of this lofty requirement, which brings us to our second point tonight, your hope to come. So verse 13 says, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our blessed hope that we are to be looking forward to or or waiting for is Christ's second coming. As Christians, we know what it is like to experience the the first fruits of our being made alive with Christ and our regeneration, that is, our being made alive with Christ by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lays these new desires on our hearts, and we, by God's grace, grow in our sanctification. We're made to be Christ-like. We die unto sin and to live unto Christ, though not perfectly in this life. We just read about this in the previous verses. But we also have the promise that God will glorify us on the last day. That, that, that we will be made holy as Christ is holy and enter into God's presence and rest for eternity. It's as Paul tells us in his epistles to the Romans in chapter 8, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified or or declared righteous. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And this is to the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The truth is, as as believers, we get to experience this spirit-wrought change of a life renewed by Christ. But we also get to look forward to a day when everything will be made right. This means that there is hope for that pornography addiction or that substance abuse problem or that battle with anger because Christ has come and he is training us by the power of his Holy Spirit through the reading of his word, the preaching of his word, and because Christ has conquered the grave. Don't let that last part of that clause fall flat. Do you realize what we've just read in the inerrant inspired word of God? It says, our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Harvest, if you're ever looking for that great verse to answer the question concerning the divinity of Christ or, or having to do with the Trinity, perhaps in that conversation with that doubting family member or that Jehovah's Witness that comes knocking on your door one day, this is a good one to kind of keep in your back pocket. Make no mistake, Jesus Christ is God. This is the second person of the Trinity. And this is our great God and Savior who, because he is both fully God and fully man, lived the perfect life according to the law and died on the cross in our place, able to bear the wrath of it all. And then he conquered the grave. He he rose again. This is who we are awaiting. We are awaiting Christ's second coming, the day when he will finish what he started and the new heavens and the new earth will be ushered in. We hope not only for for our great God and Savior to to return, but we look forward to to the blessed life which is laid up for us in heaven with him. And not only will Christ be, be exuding the glory of God on this day, but he will also do so in such a way that his people are also going to be made partakers of it. It says, Calvin says, the sin and darkness of this world will no longer obscure the brightness or lessen the magnificence of the glory of God. This is going to be a great day, and we get to look forward to it. Brothers and sisters, in Christ, we look forward to a day when everything that's wrong in this world will be made right. There'll be no more suffering, and we can bask 
in the glory of our great God for the rest of our lives, for, the, for, for eternity. And because of this, we, we are to live not as people who, who are lost in the effects of, of, of this fallen world and its sin, but as those looking forward to perfection with eager expectation. Brothers and sisters, we are not to suffer as those who are lost. Now, some of you may be sitting here wondering tonight, well, that's great that I have something to look forward to sometime in the future, but, but how's that going to help me in my sin and misery right now? Again, we have to be self-controlled, upright, and holy in the here and now, coupled with the fact that we're, we're, we're sinners and that we're corrupt. So how are we to do this? Well, this is where Paul takes us in the following two verses. And this brings us to our third point this evening, your reality achieved. So just to recap, Christ has come bringing salvation for all people and we are called to live godly lives in this present age. A tall order for sinners. And, and we have this blessed hope of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ coming again to finish this work sometime in the future. But what do we do with this call for holiness today? Well, let's continue. As we look at verse 14, we read that Jesus Christ gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous for good works. Here is yet another great truth concerning Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us. We don't serve some callous and impersonal God. Our God and Savior Jesus Christ died in the place of his people. Even those who are here with us tonight. We know from Scripture that God knows his sheep by name and that he is the one that is leading them. Christ knows exactly who he has died for and our Savior has given himself for them. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, you are loved. You are loved. And we see that Christ's death has accomplished our redemption. That is to say, he made the legal payment necessary to release us from our bondage to slavery our bondage to sin and lawlessness, that, that we might serve the righteousness of God. And we also see that Christ purifies us. Not only are we redeemed, but we are consecrated, brothers and sisters, for the purpose of doing good works, in order, in order to bear fruit to the glory of God. Later in this very same letter, Paul sheds even more light on this work in chapter 3, verses 4 through 7, where he says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Brothers and sisters, the reality of our salvation is that it is not accomplished by ourselves, but by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's nothing that any of us can do to, to, to merit eternal life. We are all sinners before a holy God, and without Christ, we can only look forward to an eternal punishment because of it. Our passage today shows us that, that because of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, we have a much better hope we, we get to be co-heirs with Christ, inheriting eternal salvation and spending an eternity in heaven with Christ and with other believers where there will be no more pain or suffering because, brothers and sisters, there will be no more sin. And this isn't some impersonal blanket salvation. You aren't just some winners of some cosmic lottery. Jesus Christ came to this world, born of a woman, born under the law, to save a particular people. 
This is the great story of redemption. This is a personal rescue mission paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. But hear this. This is also an exhortation for us not to be taken back to the base and polluted things of this world. We have been bought for a purpose, and that purpose is to be a particular people who are zealous for good works. Therefore, we're not to go back to our old ways. Being members of God's family looks a particular way. And we are called to live in and engage the world in such a way that our lives reflect this fact to others. We, we are to be salt and light, brothers and sisters, by the grace of God, of course, by the redemption of Jesus Christ, and by the powerful working of the Holy Spirit, bearing fruit to the glory of God. We are to grow in this daily. And, and while this is all of God, we, we are, to, to the best of our ability, to live differently. So, where are you at this evening? Are you living a self-controlled, upright, and holy life? Are you applying gospel truths to the circumstances in which God has placed you? He's, he's ordained you to live in at this present time? Our passage has something to say to us this evening. The fact of the matter is, we can't do any of this by our own power. But the good news is that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And that grace is Jesus Christ. He is training us to renounce the ungodliness and worldly passions and, and to live self-controlled, upright, and holy lives in this present age. We, we don't have to have it all together because Christ lived the perfect life that we couldn't, couldn't live in, and he died for that. He has redeemed us from all lawlessness and, and is purifying us for himself to do good works. He, he is doing a great work in the lives of those who believe in him this very day. Harvest, the gospel reality of our passage tonight is that Jesus Christ has died to redeem his people. The question, therefore, is how would your life change if this gospel reality really became the lens through which you, you, you looked at your relationships, your callings, and your hardships? What kind of peace could you experience if, if, this, was our function, if this was your functioning reality? I know that last week I got bogged down and I had a very important appointment at Thursday and I couldn't see past Thursday at 2 o'clock. There are so many things vying for the, our attention and, and we so quickly lose, lose our focus on who we are in Jesus Christ. When we keep our eyes on the glorious riches of, of our God and Savior Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished, it frees us from our worldly passions and from our momentary afflictions and from our disappointments. We, we, we see that this life is not about us, and we see that God can even use us to do good works to his glory. Brothers and sisters, pray that the Lord would help you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that, that you would view this sin-stained world through these gospel lenses, through this purifying lens of Christ and his cross. Now, friend, maybe you're visiting with us tonight, and, and you haven't come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If not, the good life of moral improvement that you've been reaching for is it's just going to be forever outside of your grasp. Turn to this Jesus, the one who redeems and purifies those who believe in him, and, and, and experience this, this blessed hope of a day when everything will be made right again. 
If you have questions, please feel free to reach out either to myself or any of the brothers and sisters here. We'd love to help you in any way that, that we can. But don't let another day go by apart from the grace of this great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who, who died on the cross to pardon the sin of all those who believe in him. And he rose from the dead, providing them the power by which to do so. That is to say, the Holy Spirit. He, he took our heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh. Husbands, what would this truth do for, for how you love your wife in this week to come? Wives, what, what, would, what would this truth do in how you respect your husbands in this week to come? This, this is the reality of God's people. Even when we get in that argument next week or when that person cuts us off on the way home, because you know someone's going to cut us off on the way home. In light of the various hardships of this present age, keep your eyes on the blessed hope that, this is, that, that, that all this suffering is only for a time, that, that Jesus Christ is coming again, and with him is coming a new heavens and a new earth, and we can look forward to an eternity together with him in paradise. Brothers and sisters, the day is coming, and it will soon be here. It does get better than this. Let's live as those who believe in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ by the grace of the Holy Spirit. May God grant it. Amen. Please pray with me. Gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for the great mercy that you have shown us in giving us your son, Jesus Christ, to, to, to bring us salvation. Please continue to train us uh, to, to renounce all ungodliness and worldly passions in this week to come. Help us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to, to see the reality of our blessed hope in this life, that, that our great God and Savior has appeared and has given himself to redeem us from lawlessness and ungodliness and, and to purify us for his own possession. Help us to be zealous for good works in the week to come. But Father, most of all, help us in our unbelief. When the things of this world take center stage, in place of the gospel. Help us to live as your blood-bought people to your glory alone. We ask this all in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And with that, I'd like to invite you to stand up as we sing Marvelous Grace of Our Loving Lord. And then after the benediction, we'll finish by singing May the Grace of Christ our Savior.
now into the week that the Lord has ordained for you as you um, live in the appearing of our salvation and his work within us. Go with his grace and peace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you all till Christ come again. Amen.